Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic? Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore? This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. This is Rebecca Kinnestrand, Daniel Dadashi is with me, and Pastor Gina Herman. Thanks, y'all, for being here. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's great to be here again. We were just talking that uh, Danielle's cat has joined the chat as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what kind of cat? Dolly Parton is here. No way. Yeah. What? That's her Dolly name? Parton. I know. When she gets ready to go to the vet, they say they're all excited to see their favorite diva. Dolly, does she? It, it, does she like blonde and have a big old fur? She oh no! Cutie. Oh well, she is adorable. There she she's is. Spicy. She's oh, like a black, so cute. She's she a fluffy like rag doll kind of. She cat. is kind of a rag doll cat. She went through a, a traumatic shaving over the summer when we went through our heat wave. <laughs> oh poor baby! <laughs> to recovering. Oh my god! I didn't know you shaved cats. Um, you don't oh, if you she... want them to be happy, but. <laughs> She was being cat sat by by my sister, and it was very hot. And she was like, "How would you feel if you came home to a shaved cat?" And I said, "Oh wow. gosh, yeah. whatever you think is best." Um, we are talking today about the Messiah, the Lord. Um, what is the Messiah about? Why do we think, or do we believe anyway, that Jesus is our Messiah? Why others don't? think that how many messiah people have said i am the messiah and people were like you are you are not maybe you are we don't know <laughs> so this is really going to be kind of a heretical conversation if you're not into that tune out now because <laughs> we're, we're not necessarily saying that we have the corner on the truth necessarily and yeah. i think that that's really a cornerstone of this podcast in general and i would say if i dare say that the theology of Holy Spirit Lutheran Church is that questioning is okay. Um, Absolutely. Trying to to understand uh, the religious texts, trying to understand life, trying to understand all these different meanings that maybe were coded when you were growing up in your religion, or maybe they were explicit and unmovable when you were growing up in religion. We're not that here. We like to poke around and see if we find new things and challenge those theologies. At the same time, I have to say that I label myself or identify, I guess is the word these days, as a Christian. I don't do it often because I think it scares people off, especially in our area. But if somebody were to ask me, I would say sure, but it usually comes with a lot of qualifiers after that. I It just goes to show that you can be Christian solidly and say that in your heart you are and that I do, I have poked around, I have studied other things, I have been in other places and this is the this is the way for me. But that doesn't mean that you don't, keep questioning. It doesn't mean that you have the answer. It doesn't mean any of those things. And so um, that's what this podcast is all about for our listeners to know that it's a little scary not to have the answer. Um, But that doesn't mean that you aren't solid in your heart. Um, Pastor Gina, do you want to take us into your research and what you know about 
um, the Messiah or comment on what I just said? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first of all, I, I, I am, I think you already mentioned this, but I am a pastor of a Lutheran church and I, I also am a Christian and I too have to have a lot of qualifiers oftentimes when, when talking about that, because there are a lot of Christians out there who say and do things that I just do not agree with, do not believe in. Uh, and so, um, so I completely hear you on that one, Rebecca, for sure. The reason that this was an interesting topic for me that I wanted to uh, bring out uh, is because it was sort of an, an aha moment for me when I was in seminary, which if you may not know, seminary is sort of the, the religious master's degree schools that we go to for four years to get our master's after having graduated from college. And it was in a few different classes. I went to the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago, and there were a few different classes there where I, I learned an interesting phrase, interesting concept about different ways to read the Bible. The way that they talked about it, which was really helpful for me, I thought, when thinking about this concept of, of reading scripture and reading the Bible, was that there are actually two ways to, to read scripture. Um, the professor who, who talked us through this mentioned that these two ways were, one, uh, as Christians, we tend to read the Bible backwards. Now, when I say that, I don't mean you should start with the book of Revelation and read all the way through Genesis. What that means is when we read scripture, we oftentimes read scripture through the lens of Jesus as our Messiah um, and as our Savior. So, you know, we talk about as uh, as Protestant denominations, so Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, we follow a three-year cycle of scripture called the lectionary which we, we read on Sundays. And so we usually read one Old Testament lesson, a Psalm, a New Testament lesson, and a gospel every single Sunday. That lectionary was formed around this, this very idea of we take the, the stories from the gospels and we look backwards and we see, okay, what in Old Testament scripture do we believe that supports our idea of Jesus from Nazareth as the Messiah? And so our very way of, of worshiping is focused around this idea. And so I want to point out that this is not a wrong way to do it, but there mm-hmm. are more than one ways. There's more than one way, excuse me, to, mm-hmm. to read scripture. And so the other way to read scripture is to read, read scripture forward, which means you start in the Old Testament looking at different concepts from a Jewish perspective and then reading through it that way. Mm. And when you read through scripture forwards, there is talk of messiahs. And I say messiahs very clearly with an S because it, it's a little bit different. You read things a little differently. You interpret things differently. Um, mm. There, There is definitely reason why Jews today do not believe that Jesus of Nazareth is not the messiah. Uh, and so it's fascinating it, to read through forward and mm-hmm. look at that as well. It sounds like you're almost describing it as, as Christians read the Bible with kind of a spoiler alert. We already know Jesus is coming. We already know probably those biblical stories, maybe even better than we know some of the Old Testament stories. 
So when we read it, we always have that spoiler in mind that Jesus is coming in mind. But if you were to read it through without that, you might look at some of these stories differently. You might not constantly be saying, oh, this is where they start talking about. It's like a, the confirmation bias in a way that's yeah. reading it backwards. Now, let's go back to Messiah. Please define for those who yes. don't know. So the word Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Meshiach. Uh, or Mashiach, depending on how you pronounce it. And it simply means the anointed one. Mm. Uh, mm. And if you recall in the Old Testament, whenever there was a new king or uh, a, a leader of, of <laughs> God's people, <laughs> mm-hmm. if there, whenever there was a leader of uh, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they would be anointed with oil. And okay. so, uh, so if there was a prophet or a new king that came about that was going to lead God's people, they would be anointed and therefore they could be called a Messiah. Hmm. So, so that in and of itself already opens the, yeah, uh, the idea of what that means, right? There, there mm-hmm. were a lot of kings. There were a lot of rulers, leaders throughout Hebrew scriptures that were anointed and therefore mm-hmm. could be a Messiah. And what's interesting, uh, and when you think about it, the Greek translation of Messiah is Christ or Christos. So when mm-hmm. we say Jesus Christ, that's literally us saying Jesus, the one that we've been waiting for forever, the Jewish people have been waiting for forever, is that Messiah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what that means when we say Jesus Christ. So, so as Christians, we're Messiahs. Yeah, essentially. Okay. And yeah. uh, there's been lots of these people, I don't remember the names uh, when I was doing my little research, there's been, there were a few standouts, though, apparently, that in different time periods that these leaders came up and people were like, this is the one, this is the Messiah. And again, I don't remember their names. You can look it up on Google in a five minute search. The difference was they were leaders, but they also, they were very powerful. They did things in more of a fashion of political leaders. And Jesus just stood out so much from them because he worked with healing people physically and spiritually and emotionally and compassion. And so maybe you're going to get into this, maybe I'm drinking gun, but do you want to discuss what, why we think Jesus is the Messiah for reals? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, uh, so you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people that, that quote unquote fit, fit the bill of a Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the big thing that, that both uh, Jews and uh, Christians uh, agree on with this concept of a Messiah uh, is that they would come out of the Davidic line. Um, so they would come out of King David's line. Hmm. Jews also believed that the Messiah, when the Messiah returned, would rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. In throughout history, the temple was destroyed, I believe, a total of three times. Mm. Uh, in scripture, we read about two of those times, and each time it was just devastating 
for uh, for the Jewish people as their their center, uh, the place that they went to and lifted up as their holy place of of faith, where where they believed they could meet God and be in God's presence in that way. So that was one of the big beliefs. The Messiah's talked about bringing um, the end of the war, the end of war forever, and uh, and that all people would live in peace. There is conversation, again, this is all, all in different passages throughout scripture, and I'll bring up some of those in just a minute. There is belief that uh, this Messiah would unite all people, regardless of differences like religion or culture. There is belief that, that uh, this Messiah would bring a true awareness of God to all people in some way, and that the Messiah's coming would signal the end of the world. So all of those things are yeah. things that that Jews, uh, many Jews believe, and a lot of those things. If you you know probably are thinking about Jesus, we believe as well. The biggest reasons that that we believe Jesus is the Messiah come from several different passages where uh, that you probably have heard many times. So you think about around Christmas time. We hear the stories from Micah 5.2 about a shoot that will be raised up out of Bethlehem and uh, will become a leader out of the line of David. Uh, and then we read in the Gospels that, uh, in two of our Gospels, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We re- recall the, the beautiful passage from Isaiah about how this Messiah that is to come will be a wonderful counselor, uh, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and authority will rest upon upon shoulders. Uh, and that, of course, begins with this image of a virgin will conceive and bear a son. That brings up Jesus in our minds as well. And then the, the really big one, I mean, there's a lot that we could go back to, but the really big one that, that Christians uh, relate to the most is the idea of this uh, suffering servant in Isaiah 53, mm. where, uh, and we hear this uh, in, during Holy Week, and usually mm. it's read on, on Good Friday or throughout Holy Week, just to, to remind you here, yeah, wasn't there something about he will suffer a, a horrible death, definitely a servant of the people, that kind of thing. I wanted to go back to what you were saying. It's very interesting about the Messiah bringing the world end. What do you think that means? Because I don't think that it actually means that the world physically blows up, <laughs> although some people probably think that. My take on that is more like the world as we know it, the way that things have gone, the way that you are living your life will end. If you believe and if you follow the path of the Messiah, that is life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in addition to that, excuse me, in addition Mm -hmm. to that, one of, of my favorite books of the Bible after having gone through a class uh, on this in, in seminary was, is the book of Revelation. And it's one of those books that people are like, oh man, there's all kinds of freaky stuff that they talk about in there. Uh, I know uh, in our uh, podcast that we recorded on Daniel, we talked a little bit about apocalyptic literature and how you read it. And it sounds really scary, but there's all these undertones and things. 
Um, well, the, uh, I had a wonderful um, teacher, uh, Dr. Barbara Rossing, who's one of the leading experts on the book of Revelation. Uh, and one of the things I loved about that is that in, in Revelation 22, I believe, let me just double check that. She's, but in Revelation, she's looking this up, everybody. She, I, I am like, looking this up. Like, Sorry. I'm going to get the exact quote <laughs> for you. <laughs> want to make sure I'm not saying, saying things wrong. Oh, here we go. It's in Revelation 21. See, I'm glad I looked it up. In Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, this is the key part that she points out, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God will dwell with them. They will be God's people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And what that means to her (laughs) is that if you listen, if you listen to that, I think a lot of people have in their minds that heaven is this far off place that we're going to get Uh, to someday. mm. But this passage of scripture tells the opposite, that that earth will one day be restored, that the um, earth will be healed, that God will will bring justice and um, and healing to the mm-hmm. earth, and that this place will be heaven someday. And is that so, like, is that like it? Because from what you read, it's, it feels a little bit old schooly in the sense of like coming down out of the clouds from the heavens. There will be this blanket you know, within a minute, you know, they can see the movie that the angel comes across and after they pass, it's like green pastures and lions and lambs laying together. Or I also heard in there, it's with the people now. Yep. You're, this is now with you and, and it's the people, this is the dream. This is the ideal. And this is what, can be we're showing you what can be but it's not with the people to make that so yeah and i think the 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 reason that this is is such a a prominent uh part of of eschatological theology um sorry i'll I'll go back (laughs) and eschatological it means just means end time sorry End times okay. thoughts. I, uh-huh. I need to dumb down my language. I apologize or, or yes, clarify. Yes, please dumb it down for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I like it though. Eschatological. Eschatological. I know. There's okay. your your uh, big word for the day. If big you word want to impress people, it just means end times. That's all it means. When you talk about the end times, that's that's what that means. Sweet. Um, okay, moving on. <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing about this is that, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people who, uh, believe that heaven is somewhere far off and that it's someplace we're going to go to and we're going to leave this horrible world behind us, it makes mm. us stop and think, now wait, there is good in this world. There is right. beauty in this world. God created this world. We should be caretakers of it. Mm-hmm. And support it, and uh, and you know this leads into all kinds of environmental justice that we talk about. Mm. Uh, that God doesn't just create things and then leave. That God is constantly in, with, under, around um, not only God's people but the very earth that God created. 
Uh, and so it gives this beautiful image, um, you know, when you're talking about uh, the end times, that God wants to restore and heal creation that has been broken in so many different ways, as opposed yeah. to let's just leave this planet behind and go to a new one. Um, so, well, that's so what all the billionaires want to do. They're shooting themselves off into space like crazy. I mean, all <laughs> these true. all these men billionaires are just like, let's make a rocket and leave. I pooped on this planet let's go to mars let's do let's set up in space right Right over (laughs) now i have a question about this this messiah topic a little bit so we see that kind of the the old testament is has a lot of references to the coming messiah and a lot of different religions ascribe to that muslims christians jewish people are all reading those same texts and it feels like the messiah thing is really where these three major religions start to branch off with the, mm. the Jewish folks believing the Messiah has not yet come, Christian Christian folks believing Jesus to be the Messiah, and Muslim folks believing Muhammad. Is it is it more complex than that, or is the Messiah issue the the big division splitting off point? Um, I think that 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 it is uh, part of that. And just just for a quick clarification, the uh, Muslims do not believe that Muhammad is the Messiah. And uh, but but there definitely is that that sort sort of uh, division that that whoever we believe to be the Messiah is kind of the thing that that separates us. Um, Mm. But what is interesting about this is that there are so many faith traditions um, not only um, uh, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, but also uh, Buddhists, uh, uh, Zoroastrianism. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot Buddhism. of other we, faith we traditions. We don't have to blame them all. We know there's a no, lot there's of religions a lot, in the world. A lot yeah. of religions <laughs> right. that that lift up this idea of of a Messiah figure that will mm. bring peace and justice and to the earth. And so that's, it's an interesting concept that even though that's what kind of divides us, the who is this, we all believe that, <laughs> that there is somebody coming. I was just going to say, I wrote this down as you were talking earlier. Why are we all searching for a one? That is just mm. so interesting to me that through, through this whole thing that everybody has it out there that I just hold on, you know, He's coming, usually, is the, you know, or hold on, the Messiah is coming, coming, you know, it's coming. And even while Jesus was here, he's coming back, there'll be a rapture, you know, like, we're all holding on for this. I don't know if that's such a great idea, to be quite honest, to hold on for a thing to happen. Somebody else, something else will make it all good. It feels like if we were to say that to our therapist. They would, we would, they would start gently guiding us towards the belief that maybe we should live in this moment and see what's great maybe about where the, we are now. Yeah. The one is you, maybe it's you, right? And I had a, a college professor say uh, something about, it was a great writer and she's like, the next great American writer could be sitting in this room. So I, it kind of rubs me wrong, I think. I feel like waiting, searching, waiting for that one, it, it doesn't feels like you're rubbing a cat hair the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Another, I, another, go ahead. I was just going to say that that there there are, uh, again, I, I in my limited research, 
there, there are other uh, people who definitely believe that the, the, the concept of a Messiah is broader than any one person. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. That it's a, a more uh, realized truth that that Ooh. one day all people will be working together towards this idea of of freedom, peace, justice for all. Oh, and now so you're it's talking interesting, okay. yeah. And that that is that is definitely another another interpretation of this idea of Messiah. That the um, Messiah is a realized truth. I really like that. That makes that rings true to me. The cat hair is back, going the right way. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> uh, because that also speaks to. I'll let you talk in a second, Danielle. I just wanted to not forget that that brings up. It said, "Bring all people of faith together." So the Messiah is supposed to bring all people of faith together. And I was like, "Well, how interesting that the very person we call the Messiah created a separate faith." You know, mm-hmm. or people created it out of him. Right. Whereas perhaps during the time they were the people of the way and it was just the way everybody should be. But then Christians started being Christians and whatever, whatever. And it, it feels very sectarian now. But to bring all people of faith together kind of goes along with this ideal of, idea of this realized truth. Danielle. I agree. I, I felt the same, like, ding, ding, ding. That rings so true. When I you you said a messiah is like a realized truth because it feels like something I can live into in my everyday life, something mm-hmm. that I can apply mm-hmm. to my everyday life, and that and it it feels like it makes a sense in a world where I don't want to discount siblings of other faiths, where right. I don't want to decide that I'm right and they're wrong where I can instead say, this is my truth and what's right for me. And what's right for me is also you having what's right for you. That is also part of the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus and the evidence of Jesus in the world is me being open and willing to hear other people and willing to accept that my truth isn't their truth and that that can still be the truth. I I always like how do we and even internally but how do we say okay it's the realized truth but then yeah Jesus is the Messiah but by the way (laughs) yeah again this is this is the some of the the dangers of reading the Bible backwards right because it Mm. kind of isolates us and helps us to think oh we're right and everybody else is wrong Uh, And that's where it's helpful for us to read the Bible forward to see different points of view and open our minds to different ways of understanding truth. And it's interesting for me to think, too, as we're talking about this, this is something that personally I've always struggled with is what what is truth? That's the great question that Jesus Mm. asks in the book of John when he's addressing the higher uh, authorities and, or Jesus doesn't ask the question, excuse me, but, uh, but Pilate asked that question. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he talks, Jesus talks about the truth and, and, and Pilate's answer, well, what exactly is truth? Everybody comes claiming Ooh. they have the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I think for, for me personally, and, and I say that emphatically that for me personally, I'm not speaking on behalf of all Christians. I'm not speaking even on behalf of all Lutherans as I say this, 
But being uh, a Christian, a follower that of Jesus that believes that Jesus was, is the Messiah and will come again, that is a belief that gives me great hope. When Jesus was lived on earth, there were amazing things that, that happened to glorify God, to heal, bring healing, um, to mm. break down people who thought they all had the truth and we were right and you were wrong. Mm. Jesus leveled the playing field. And uh, there are lots of great people who have come up throughout history who have contributed to that, but they they weren't able to do this this great thing of complete peace, no more war ever. You know, everybody is uh, is given justice. And it's, it's really hard, I agree, to think that any one person would ever be able to do that. However, this idea and the hope that there, that this might happen, whether it be through one person or several people, how will Jesus appear? If we went, again, if we were reading the Bible forward, this Jesus was also, you know, this Messiah was also supposed to come in, conquer and yeah. rule yeah. in a just way. And so then it's it's interesting that they're supposed to bring peace through conquering and death, right? That that also is kind of a strange thing. And yeah. that's why they don't consider Jesus to be, or part of the reason they don't consider Jesus to be the Messiah. But he um, did conquer. I mean, that's the thing. Is he that did. Through yep. conquering and death, but it was so different. It was it's very so different. so different than a uh, Roman leader or any leader you think of conquering and death and it, I mean, how flipped was, how incredibly flipped over that was, that he yeah. conquered through the hearts of the people, of the downtrodden people, of the underdog people. He conquered their hearts, and they were able to rise up from that. And then he himself died willingly. Yep. So through that death, there is the conquering. And, and when you hear the story you think, how could it be any other way? Of course, you you can't get a people behind you if you are not a humble servant, not not truly. Um, all the great spiritual leaders that, you know, I can think of are the ones that in the last, you know, 20th century, the Gandhis and the Martin Luther Kings and so on. It's like these humble servants who were not pushovers, the humbleness of the servant is so incredibly powerful. I think what's hard is that there's so many humble servants all over the world every single day who don't ever have their name known. Never. And that is p potentially the challenge of Christianity for us mm -hmm. is to be daily that humble servant, not overrun, not subservient, but a powerful, humble servant daily, that's, that's a challenge. Yeah. That's hard. And it's your, what shall I say? Your task for the day. <laughs> be the best humble servant, not subservient. Be the best humble servant that you can be. Thank you, I everyone. What an incredible uh, conversation. It's just a teaser taste of this, to this topic. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Mm -hmm.